Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Let me read to you just a couple of verses here, three verses from the Word of God, and I'll talk about them a little bit and see if I fall or what happens. First Kings chapter 3, uh, verse 5. First Kings 3, 5, and then I'll jump down to verse 9 and 10. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Verse 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people. Verse 10, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. You may be seated. You know, if I were, I don't do a lot of New Year's resolutions. But if I were to do a New Year's resolution, that's what it would be. God, increase my understanding. The key to all power is understanding. Whether you're talking about physical, mechanical, technology, spiritual, whatever it is, the key to the power is the understanding of it. And when we understand the government of God, When we understand the train that Isaiah saw, you know, when he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. When we understand that, it dispels doubt. It deals with depression. It fights fear. It conquers confusion. You know, we are here on the very first night of the year And we would like to naively say, well, nothing bad will happen this year. I'll face no tests, no trials. Nothing's going to happen. Everything is going to be glorious this year. But that's simply not true. In fact, myself and everybody that's in this audience tonight will experience things that you would have rather not have experienced before you get to this time next year. And when you go through these things, if you're not sure what's happening, if you don't have understanding, it will produce in you all kinds of feelings and frustrations that you simply don't want to have. But if you can get understanding and say, what I'm going through here is a process, a situation, a circumstance, maybe designed by the adversary, maybe construed by somebody, or perhaps even by the design of deity, whatever it is, this is a process, but I understand what it is, and I understand some things, and I understand where I'll be after this is over, then it really helps you deal with what you're going through. If Joseph had understood the workings of God, he would have not been depressed in the dungeon or perplexed in the prison. He didn't know what was going to be on the other side. He didn't have that understanding yet. If Job had had greater understanding, 
He would have not battled the boils. He would have not considered his cursing wife. He would have not contemplated his three best friends' false accusation. If he had known that at the end of 42 chapters, everything was going to be doubled and the blessing of God. But he didn't have that understanding. If the three Hebrew children would have had more discernment, they wouldn't have sweated. They would have franchised the furnace and began Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego healing and cooling company. Said it's all right. If Daniel had understood his destination, he would have named the lions then Barnum, Bailey, and Daniel and sold tickets and had the world's first three ring circus. Some of the things you're going through that you think are tragic are not tragic at all. They're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable, but you're going to like the way it turns out. You're going to like the way it turns out. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, I like to die, but I'd had a perpetual neck ache for about 35 years, and it was severe. And I don't know what it did, but when I liked to die, my neck quit hurting. It hadn't hurt since. It was a result of an old it was a result of an old automobile accident. I'd been to doctors and chiropractors and all kinds of people. They couldn't fix that neck pain. But whatever happened to me, my neck pain went away. Now I wouldn't go through all of that again, but that was a blessing that came out of all of that. But the problem is that we don't have good eyesight spiritually, and we don't always have understanding. The writer said, brethren, be not as children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. When I was a child, he said, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. We're looking through that dark glass and we can't see sometimes. And because we don't have that understanding, we get really upset and fearful and frustrated. Sometimes you just need to ask God to clean the windshield so you can see a little better through that glass. Lighten it up a little bit. It's just a little too dark for me. But no matter what you're going through, if you don't have understanding, it is extremely frightening. So many circumstances are frightening. I've been afraid of things and just, and just concerned myself with them and let them dominate my thoughts. And had I known the way it was going to turn out, I would have not wasted my time in the experience of fear. The Bible said in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. There is an understanding that causes peace to pass you and give you a police escort. Have you ever had a police escort? I've only had that happen with a lot of funerals. But outside of that, a couple of times I've had a police escort. That's a pretty good deal. There's one thing that I could have. You know, I wouldn't want to be governor, but I'd like to have a police escort. Just everywhere you go, there's a cop in front of you and one behind you. And you just come to the stoplights and you go through them. And everybody has to stop and you can just sail on through. He said, there's a peace that passeth understanding. He said, it will literally swerve out and go around understanding. 
and be in front of you and to where you say, well, I might not have all understanding, but I've got the peace of God about that. But there are some things that that we need to understand. If we're going to have the power that God wants us to have to deal with life's calamities and trials and tribulations, there's some understanding. Number one, we need to understand God's purpose. If you understand God's purpose in life, what God's plan is, his purpose for life, Romans 6, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's got a purpose. Do you have any idea what that purpose is? That purpose is the same purpose that Hitler had. You know, Hitler wanted to have a super race. Well, he missed it. He didn't do it. But God's going to work. And God's going to succeed because he's got the same purpose. And that has to have a people that were not a people. He said, out of every tongue and every nation and every kindred, God's developing a nation. And you can look around you. It's not going to be one country or one nation. It's going to be people that God has atoned by the blood of Jesus Christ. And his purpose is to seek and to save that which is lost. And so you can just look at Fox News or you can look at CNN and you can get all upset with what's happening in the world today. And you can go on your crusade and say, well, I'm going to try to straighten this one situation out. You see, there's a lot of problems in the world that I can address every time I go to the pulpit, but I don't address any any of those problems, because even if I'm right, it's not going to resolve the situation. I'll tell you what I do is I preach the blood of Jesus Christ. I preach the redemption of the Lord. I preach the I preach the atonement because I want to first and foremost promote the purpose of God, that he has gone to the four corners of the earth. He will seek and save that which will be saved. And it doesn't matter who it is. If you are hungry for God, God's going to save you. That's God's purpose is that he's going to have a people. He's going to have a people without spot. He's going to have a people without a blemish. He doesn't matter what language you speak. He doesn't care what your nationality is. He doesn't care which gender you are. God doesn't care. But he's going to have a wife. He's going to have a people. And praise God, we are those people today. And when I understand that, when I get the understanding that God's purpose is going to be fulfilled on this earth, I don't really have to cause myself to sweat and fret about all the things that are going on. You see, I know people that all the time they're upset. It's because they don't have understanding of God's purpose. I'm going to tell you what about God. He's not only the alpha, he's the omega. He's not only the beginning, he is the finisher. He is the author and the finisher. And the Bible said, I said all the time, the Bible said he saw the end from the beginning. And I've said it so many times. If he didn't like the end, there would have been no beginning. And at very worst, if he didn't like the end, he would have stopped it halfway. But he didn't do that. And so you don't have to worry about the problems in this world. You are not the author and you're not the finisher. And you don't sit high and look low. We just have a little vision of one little parcel of what's going on. But he sits so high that he looks low. I don't know why Brother Timonello's on my mind tonight, but Brother Timonello and I used to preach in a little place called Topsy, Louisiana. Anybody know where Topsy, Louisiana is? Topsy, Louisiana. There used to be a guy in that church, and he acted like he wasn't real intelligent. He wore bib overalls. He's worth about 2 or $3 million, and he was the sharpest guy in the house. It was a little act he put on. And so he came to Brother Timonello one time in Topsy, Louisiana. It's over by Lake Charles. And he said, Brother Timonello, he said, I like to listen to that Houston news channel all the time and the weather. 
But he said, you know what I really like? And he's way out in the piney woods of Louisiana. He said, I like that traffic report. He said, I like that. He said, always tune in for that traffic report. There wasn't nothing out there where he lived but a few trucks hauling pulpwood. And he was listening to the traffic report in Houston. But he said, you know what I don't know? That little girl that gives that traffic report. He said, how does she see all those cars? Is she up on a big tower somewhere looking down? He said, no, Winston, she's in a helicopter. He said, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm going to tell you what. My God is sitting high and looking low. There's not one action he misses, not one person he doesn't know. God's got it all together. You don't have to worry your sweet little head about it. You don't have to walk the floor at night. He knows exactly what he's doing, and his purpose is going to be fulfilled. And once you understand that, once you understand that, you can begin to relax a little bit. You can't enjoy the roses if you're worried about everything that's going on in this world. God wants you to enjoy this. He said, I've come that you have life, but there's more to it than that. Have abundant life. God intended for you to smell the roses. God intended for you to enjoy the sunshine. God intended for you to enjoy this life. But if you're trying to do God's work and God's business and you're constantly frustrated because you don't have the understanding of his purpose, you're going to be one miserable human being and you'll just be whining and carrying on all the time. I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to be upset because we got an immigration problem. I'm not going to be upset because of same-sex marriage. All of that's in God's hands. I'm not all of that. I'll tell you what I am. I'm a messenger. I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I don't care what your problem is. He's here to save to the uttermost. He's here to heal every sick body. He's here to right every wrong. I understand the purpose of Almighty God. Can you give God some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And secondly, secondly, If you will understand God's predestination, it'll help you a whole lot. You know, the Bible said in Romans 8 28, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, talking about Christ. And then he said in Matthew 16 and 18, And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's predestination, folks. I don't care what anybody says about the church. You say, well, the church is not like it used to be, but it's still the church. It never was your church, you understand. One fellow said to me, he said, I'm not sure I'm going to get what I want for Christmas this year. I said, it doesn't matter. It's not your birthday. This is not your church. It's not your church. This is God's church. And it's a predestined church. No matter what you think about it, you say, well, it it, it wasn't like it was when my mama was around. Well, your mama's not here no more. She's gone on and she's in glory. And you're trying to make the church like it used to be. You've got to just put God's church right back where it belongs. And that's in his hands. And say this one thing I know. God's going to have a church. He's going to have a church. And that church is going to be victorious. Because that church is predestined. And once you understand that the church is not going to fade. And the church is not going to falter. And the church is not going to fail to exist. But the church is going to succeed. And the church is going to overcome. And when it comes back, there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to welcome him. You can relax a little bit once you get that understanding.
Once you get these little understandings, you can relax a little bit in your life. The third thing is, understand God's plan for you. Well, I just don't know what's going to become of us all. I know exactly what's going to become of us. It doth not yet appear what I shall be, but I shall be like him. I know what's going to become of me. Praise God. You need to understand God's plan for you in Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace. Get that in your mind. God's got a plan of peace for me and not of evil. God doesn't have anything evil planned for me. And he said to give you an expected end. God said, I have got an end for you. I've got a target for you. You're going to reach that goal, praise God. And he said, then call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. You need to understand God's plan for you. God did not create you to destroy you. God didn't decrease you create you to put a yoke upon you and a bondage on you. God created you in his image. Adam and Eve messed that up a little bit, but praise God, the second man, Adam, came uh, and now he is in the process of forming us back to the original condition. That's the expected end. God's got such a plan for you. Get up and look every morning and say, praise God, I'm on my way. I'm swiftly becoming what God said I can become. I'm an overcomer by the power of the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Testimony, praise God. Understand God's plan for you. Praise God. And number four, number four, understand God's provision for you. God's got a provision for you. In Psalm 132 and 13, for the Lord had chosen Zion. That's who we are. We're Zion. We're grafted in, praise God. And he said, he have desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell and have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. God said, I'm going to take care of your needs. Ladies and gentlemen, I used to worry about where it was going to come from. Get down to my last hot dog and be worried about the ketchup. You know how that is. Just wonder where it was going to come from. But somewhere along the line, I found out that my Lord has never failed me. Praise God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. The Lord provides me for whatever I need. He provides the feet, the shoes for my feet and the clothes for my back. What about mercy? What if I get a little problem in my life? Oh, he provides fresh mercy every morning. He provides the spirit of God. He gave me the spirit without measure. God's provisions are overwhelming and abundant. When God does it, there'll always be some leftovers. There'll always be some fragment to gather up. God don't ever run short. God doesn't ever run out. Put your trust and faith in God and say, I not, not understand everything, but I know this, that the Lord is my Jehovah Jireh. The Lord Lord is my provider. He'll make a way where there is no way. Praise God. My God will take care of me. Can you give God some praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. Somebody's going to get a word that is going to set your course for 2014. Because your business is going to do better than it's ever done in the history. Your job's going to get better. You're going to have a promotion. Your body is going to be healed. Your children are going to get saved. Your marriage is going to come together. Some of you are going to find your life's companion. It's going to be the greatest year of your life. You just need to get that understanding where you can rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, understanding. You need to understand God's power. You know, God's not about out of power. There is no failure in God's power. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He said when your eyes are open to understanding, he said you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The God that we serve is not anemic. He's not old. He's not weary. He's a mighty God. His arm is still strong. He can save to the uttermost. He is a God that still heals the sick. He's a God that still raises the dead. He's a God that still confounds the doctors. He's a God that still answers. Praise God. He's a God that provides miracle when you just shake your head and say there is no explanation, but it was the Lord upon my side. Ladies and gentlemen, five months ago I went there and when the doctor said he won't live through the night and if he ever lives the next day they said he'll never walk another step but praise God in four days I walked out of my hospital bed and walked down that hospital corridor. Hallelujah, in four days they said I'd never walk. My doctor was not a Christian but man, he's a great, he's a great doctor. He's an amazing young man there at Samsey. He knows his stuff. Last time I saw him, he was leaving to go to Iraq, to serve in Iraq, and I admire those kind of people that are doing things like that. But he wasn't a Christian. But this was his greatest consolation, his greatest, his greatest compromise to what he believed. He just believes in, in his ability. But he said, preacher, he said you shouldn't have lived, and he said you sure shouldn't walk, and you sure shouldn't have walked in a few days. He said, I guess I have to admit it's because you're a pastor. But no, no, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm the chosen. These signs shall follow them that believe. There's not a promise made to me that is not made to every one of you. But praise God. You know, but if we, if we had the understanding, we could go through what we go through and we wouldn't be upset about it. We would just accept and say it's all right because I know how it's going to come out. I think I've shared with you before, but when I was a 16-year-old boy, maybe 15-year-old boy in Danville, Indiana, I was the shyest kid in the state of Indiana. But the Holy Ghost, God himself, called me to preach. And so the pastor recognized the call on me, and he put me up to preach. And on that first time I was preaching, I never will forget it. I just was, was about five minutes into it and I just start getting lightheaded and I start getting cotton in my mouth and I start broken at, breaking out in a cold sweat and I fainted right there in that pulpit. <laughs> I don't mean I got a little lightheaded. I mean they carried me out of that auditorium. Just a little church, about 100 people there. They didn't have a fellowship hall or anything like that. They had a ladies' restroom that had another little room attached to it with a couch on it. It was the only couch in the building. And so when me as a 15-year-old, boy, it wasn't, wasn't embarrassing enough to faint on my first sermon. But when I woke up, I was in the ladies' restroom. <laughs> but see, if I'd have known the church I pastored today, I wouldn't even been embarrassed. I'd have just said, this is part of it. This is just part of it. If I'd have had the understanding 
of what God was going to do with me and for me. That wouldn't even bother me, but it was a major problem for me. I was embarrassed. I said, I'll never preach again. I'll never get up there again. Obviously, I did. But the point I'm making is if I'd had understanding, What God had prepared for me, that wouldn't even have been a problem. I just laid out there and laughed and said, isn't this funny? This is God's process of taking me where he wants to take me. Praise God. And so if I had had that understanding, I would not have fainted with fear on my first sermon. I wonder what it is that's fearful in your life. What is it that's haunting you? If you knew what God was going to do, that love of God would cast out that fear tonight and you wouldn't be sweating it. You wouldn't be wringing your hands. You'd say, I understand whose I am. And I'm understanding that the Lord is on my side. I'm understanding that the Lord has got me in the Father's hand and no man can pluck me out. So why should I fear? Because I'm going through this momentary transition. This is just part of the process. And praise God, instead of sweating it, let's just look and examine the furnace a while because we might not ever be this way again. You know, I've never had the opportunity to preach and faint. I should have enjoyed it more. Never had that experience again. I should have enjoyed the faint more while you're going through a trial. You ain't never going to see that trial again. You need to look around and get you some postcards and pick you up a little trinket or two while you're there because five years from now, that great thing you're going through that's so fearful is going to be a part of your testimony and you need a little testimony. I did it. I, I really did that. I really did that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. My secretary that works for me in San Antonio, I had another one for 20 years and and, and she retired and so I got the lady got now for six years. But she was there. She's living in Indiana and I hired her. She moved down here to go to work for me. But she was there at night, there the night I fainted. I just like to have her around. (laughs) Because I like to say, you remember when I fainted? Look at me now. Look at me now. I ain't fainted in a sermon for over 40 years. Things have changed. If I'd have understood then what I know now, things would have been totally different. You say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't know what you're going through. But I do know if you understand whose you are and what God is doing in your life, that you won't be afraid. You won't be afraid. You don't have to do that. If I understood the things of God, you just, you just really have victory in any situation. It's all about understanding. You see, when I was a young preacher, I was 20-some years of age, and I was preaching a revival in Live Tabernacle of our friend, Brother Kilgore. Man, I was having a time. I was about 21 or 22, and I was preaching in a lot of big churches, and man, I, I was just having a good time, you know. Pretty, I, and, you know, I'm five, four, five, Years removed from my fainting situation, I've pretty much arrived. And so I'm preaching revival there. And so the president of the Bible college, he called me and said, Steve, we want you to come Friday and preach to the chapel. And so I thought, man, this is a great thing. And so I went over to preach to that Bible school chapel. And the president of the Bible college was not there. And I preached. And I preached about the fact that we as the saints of God have the ability to pay. If this is not right, Pastor John, fix it up later. But I believe that according to the last, the last verse in the first chapter of Hebrews, that we have the ability, not, tri- not to trivialize, or, but when you get in a certain place with God, you actually can command angels and take authority over angels. You can send angels. One translation said the angels are the errand runners for the saints of God. 
And so I, I, I dropped out on them Bible school students. And it was, boy, we just had a time. It was just wonderful and glorious. Those kids shouted. I just felt like, man, you didn't faint today, did you? You feel so good. And I just feeling so good about that. And about, uh, you know, about the, uh, the sometime on Sunday or something, uh, Brother Kilgore said, hey, uh, What'd you preach over there at the Bible College? I said, I preached about them angels being errand runners for the saints of God. He said, well, we've got a problem. He said, the president of the Bible College wants you to come back and apologize Monday because he said, you're a heretic. Well, you're about 23 years old, 21 years old, whatever it was, you know, and you've got this man of influence, and suddenly he says you're a heretic. And I said, well, I can't apologize because that's what I believe. And so we had a real deal, you know. And so then they had Bible, they had chapel that Monday, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't show up and recant. And so he got up and began to, began to denounce me from the pulpit, and they started standing up. And one little girl from the state of Washington was a Bible school student. She said, wait just a minute, a minute, a minute Mr. President. President, she said, you know, I sent an angel like, like Brother Steve said, and said, and not only did I have sent an angel, we wrote their names down and burned them in a big wastebasket up in front of the pulpit. You talk about crazy stuff. This was charismatic before the charismatic movement ever happened, you know. This is like latter rain, wildfire. I've always kind of liked that stuff. I just believe in the move of God and the power of God. I believe God likes to get out of the box sometimes. And she said, she said, Mr. President, she said, you know, I know what you're saying about Brother Steve, him being a heretic, because he called me a heretic from the pulpit. Man, I'm sweating out. This guy's got influence. I'm just a young preacher. And she said, we sent that, that angel to my mom up in Washington State and said she went to a Pentecostal church, and she got baptized, and she got filled with the Holy Ghost, and said, my mama's saved. And so I don't know whether he's a heretic or not. And they started testifying all over. And so he, say, he called me on the phone. And he said, look, he said, you've got them kids so confused. He said, it's just awful. He said, I'm going to write a letter to every church in the state of Texas. And he said, I'm going to expose you as a heretic. And so he did that. He wrote him a letter. And I remember Jerry Ward pastored up in, up in Paris, Texas. I didn't know Jerry Ward at the time. He pastored. And he was on the school board, that Bible school board. He called me. He said, Steve. He said, I know a little bit about your ministry. He said, did you really preach that? I said, yeah. He said, you really believe it? I said, yeah. He said, I'm not sure I do. Would you come preach me a two-week revival and see if I believe that? I got more revivals from that heretic letter. But, I, but you can't believe how upset I was. You can't believe how, how concerned I was. But if I'd have understood that that was just part of the process. I would not. I would have not been depressed at all. Some of you are depressed because certain things have happened and certain people have come against you tonight. You don't need to be depressed. You need to have understanding that God has got a plan for you. Praise God. God's got a destination for you. And those people that will work against you won't do nothing but promote you. Those people that are trying to put you down are going to be your greatest supporters because God is going to turn it around. Hallelujah. When I was pastoring down here in San Antonio, when I came to San Antonio and I, when I built that first church building, I didn't have any money. And we started that building and I got it about two-thirds through and I just run totally out of money. I had to shut it down, couldn't drive a nail for several weeks. And I finally, I had $10,000. And I needed about 250000 to finish it up. And man, I was just so upset. I just out of money. I didn't have any organization or nobody to help me. And I just got filled with full of doubt because I just, I, I tried to borrow money, get money. I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. And so 
One night, I was just praying about it, and I was just so upset. I was just so upset because I didn't have any understanding that it was the Lord's work. And the Lord said to me, he said, how much you got? And I said, well, I, need, I, I got $10,000, Lord. It's all I got to my name. And he said, how much you think you need? I said, well, I got to have two fifty, but eventually I got to have $400,000 to finish this building. And the Lord said, I'll tell you what to do. He said, R.W. Shambach's in town tomorrow night. He said, go over there and give your $10,000 to R.W. Shambach. I never met Shambach in my life. I walked up on that platform. I said, here, Dr. Shambach, I said, I'm supposed to give you $10,000. He said, well, it's so nice to meet you. And I said, I'm trying to build a new church. I can't get it finished. But I said, when I do, I want you to dedicate it. And he said, well, I appreciate that very much. That's all he said. He didn't say oh, anything. I went back home, and a bank that had turned me down three times called me the next day and said, Reverend Fender said, we're going to loan you $400, $400,000 to finish that building. I finished that building in just a couple of months, had it all finished, was in it. Dr. Schambach came and dedicated that church. But what I'm saying is you don't know how much doubt that I was filled with. You just don't understand it. I was just consumed with doubt because I didn't have understanding that God is able it simply doesn't matter what it looks like. Somebody here tonight in this building, you might be filled with doubt. You've tried to start your business. You've tried to get your job going. You've tried to build your house or buy your home. And you say, oh, man, it doesn't matter. You've got to realize that my God is able and my God is concerned and my God will withhold no good thing from you. Hallelujah. I wanted to go to San Antonio, Texas and start a church. In my denomination, there were only two little old churches there and they didn't have 500 people all together probably. There's a million people there. I went there to start a church. My denomination called me and they said, well, you can't go there and start a church. And I said, well, God's called me. And I met with them three or four times and finally they said, you got a choice. You either get out of San Antonio or we're going to pull your ministerial credentials. You don't understand. I'm just a kid. Didn't have any preachers in my family. Feeling pretty good about myself. Preaching a bunch of camp meetings. Got to preach in Salt Lake City at the General Conference at the Home Missions Day. I was pretty excited about all this. And now I've got an ultimatum. Either you do not obey God or we're going to pull your credentials. And I've made the right decision. I said, it wasn't because I committed adultery. It wasn't because I was a homosexual. It wasn't because I was unethical or stole money. It was simply because I wanted to go to San Antonio, Texas and build a church. That was it. I didn't know anybody there. Didn't know one soul in that city. But God called me to that city. And they did exactly what they said. I remember the night they took my credentials from me. I remember. I went and sat out at Canyon Lake. And built me a little campfire out there. And had four or five people with me. And I sat around there. I don't know whether you've ever heard 5,000 doors slam at one time or not, but I did. Five, I had places to preach, people waiting in line for me to come and preach. And when they pulled my credentials, all 5,000 doors slammed. There wasn't nobody wanted me. I was in demand, and suddenly I was absolutely nothing. And it was a tough night. It was a tough night. It was a tough week. It was a tough month. It was a tough year. But if I had had understanding that God was saying that this encampment is too small for you, and what you think is really the end is the beginning. And I'm trying to get you out of a little denomination so you can be on worldwide television. 
so you can meet people like Tommy Barnett and become friends with them so you can know people all over the world. And you know, I've known great preachers in small denominations and I have such respect for them, but I think, wow, what if their ministry could have been exposed to the world? But you know what? They didn't do what I did. They didn't say, well, I've got to be obedient to God. They said, I'm gonna be subservient to a man's plan. But for some reason, I was in, the, in that particular year, I was, I, was a little bit, I was a little bit confused at that point in time. But praise God, somehow I weathered it. But if I had understood God, if I had had understanding, I wouldn't even have been confused. Instead of being sitting out there at that canyon lake around that little campfire, feeling like I was confused and not knowing exactly what to do, I would have been rejoicing and saying, it's all right, for this just means there's an open door to me. And God is saying that very same thing to somebody in this building right now. He's telling you, don't be confused. Don't be in doubt. Don't be in fear. God is saying to you right now, I want you to understand that I have called you. I have chosen you. You are in the palm of my hand. This is going to turn out victorious. This is part of the trip. This is part of your testimony. Understand what God is doing in your life. Understand what God is doing in your life. Hallelujah. And because Solomon made that choice, God said, because you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't ask for all of these things, you asked for an understanding heart. God said, I'm going to give you an understanding heart, but I'm going to give you the wealth. I'm going to give you all of that. God has given me beyond my expectations, ladies and gentlemen, because I have been faithful to the Lord, no waver in my walk. I didn't always understand it. So what are you saying tonight, pastor, in closing? Are you saying that you understand all things now? That you never have a question? You never have a problem? It's always blue skies. You're like Willie Nelson. It's always blue skies. No, not quite. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the years of study and the years of experience and the years of following God have helped me understand most things, a lot of things that I didn't used to understand. But I've also realized that understanding is the key thing, to understand the plan of God, to get the big picture and understand what God is doing in my life. And so understanding is the quarterback I always want. If it's the first game of the season or it's the Super Bowl, I want understanding there. But if I can't get understanding, I do have a backup. I do have a backup. And that backup is trust. Most things that God does in my life, I understand anymore. But there's still that occasional hiccup. Just something jumps up and I say, I don't understand that. But I'll tell you what I have learned. I've learned that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When you get understand after a while, you just go through things that will just take other people out. And you'll say, I understand I have to go through this trial. I have to go through this process. I have to go through that. And you'll just have victory after victory. And then after a while, there'll be something you say, I just don't understand that. I don't understand why my, one of my best men died last week during Christmas. He died 58 years of age, just had a heart attack and died. He sat on my front seat for 31 years, one of my main men. And so I buried him three days ago. I don't quite understand that, but I do know that though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. And so, praise God, I might not always be able to have, have that understanding there. 
Sometimes it won't quite be like I want it to be. And I won't be able to say, yeah, I got that figured out. But I have learned this. I'll just trust in the Lord. I just trust you, Lord, to do this. I just trust you, God, to do this. And folks, I'm going to tell you what. I've been living for the Lord since I was 10 years of age. That's now 54 years. And there's been some times I understood him and sometimes I didn't understand him. And when I do understand, it's a lot easier. But I found this one thing. I'm going to trust God. Because there's been some dark nights and there's been some smoke and smears and some things that I couldn't see through and some glass that was so dark. I said, I don't know what God's up to now, but I've learned that if I'll just trust God, if I'll just trust God. And I've watched so many people turn loose too early. If they had just held on, if just held on, everything would have come to fruition, but they let loose too quick. But I'm going to tell you what, I have got, I have got the, the hanging on of a bulldog. I just don't turn loose. I say, God, I'm going to just hang on. You gave me this promise, I'm going to hang on. And folks, God has never let me down. God has never failed me. God has replaced friends I've lost. God showed up in the nick of time with the money that I needed. God's always provided the miracle. When the doctors say he can't live, I live anyway. I've got a God that's on my side. Praise God. I understand the plan of God. I understand what God is doing in my life. Hallelujah. And there's somebody in this building right now that you're going through something in your life. You need to understand this is God's process and this is God's plan. It will appear to be nothing five years from now, but right now you're just saying, I don't know whether I can do it or not. Dry up your tears and say, I understand the destination. I can see where God's taken me. I know the plan God has given me. I know the promise that God has afforded me. I know what God said he would do, and so I don't care about people walking out. Pastor Johnson, people leave my church all the time. We run thousands of people, people leaving all the time. T.D. Jake said the people leave him by the thousands. And you know why they leave him? He said the number one reason they leave me. They say, he said they're not getting fed. That's what they tell me, he said. If T.D. Jakes can't get you fed, your mouth's sewn shut. Man, what a preaching machine. Made me feel better. People don't leave because they're not getting fed. They leave because they do not want to stick to the commitment and because they lose understanding and they lose the vision. But praise God, I've watched the people that say, I understand God is planting me here and God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Let hell come, but I won't move. Let the flood come, but I won't move. I'm planted, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. There are some people in this room right now that for a long time you've been chasing and following the promise of God. But this is the year to where it is going to come to pass. Some of you it's going to come to pass the first week in January. Some of you it will be in February. But those things that you've been praying about and talking about and praising for are going to come to pass. And so just rest assured you can trust the God that I know. He is able to perform that which He has promised. Would you stand on your feet, lift your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that concludes today's podcast. 
Thanks again for listening.